All right, move around, shake hands with three people and welcome them to the presence of God. Tell them it's good to sit beside you. Hallelujah. Good to see everyone again. I believe that um, this new year started on a, on a good note for you. And God who started you on a good note, his hand will continually rest upon you. In the precious name of Jesus. Say, believing, amen. amen. Like I said, it's so good to see everyone. And I believe that this service will not leave you the same in Jesus' precious name. It's a new year, a brand new year that we have not seen before. And because our God is a God of newness, said, don't remember the former things. He said, forget them. He said, I will do a new thing. And like I said in December, uh, um, the Bible says that when God created the heavens and the earth in the book of Genesis, he deliberately put an end to days, an end to weeks. And, you know, we followed after him as human beings, then we, we did, you know, the month. God only did day and then also put an end, a Sabbath to the week. Then as human beings, we went ahead, we did months. And then we, we also came up with timing. Uh, you know, so we have seconds, we have minutes, uh, we have 24 hours. We, we did all that. We did months and then years. And every time, that there's an end and a beginning is for us to be able to necessarily shut down, refresh, and restart on a better note. And if it's when we cannot start on a better note uh, that life's creative tension uh, becomes a burden and not a blessing. <laughs> no, there's a creative tension as part of life. It's natural to life. It's supposed to spur us on uh, to think better, to do better, and seek the face of God to make us better. When we cannot see newness, instead of it being a blessing, what I choose to call inspirational dissatisfaction, it becomes a burden. Because we just continue to go and go and go without thinking. And without asking ourselves what can be done better. What is, is there more? For me than what I'm getting right now. What does God have in store for me that I have not even laid my hands on? And after all said and done, then we'll ask the final question. Is, is, is it all about this? <laughs> and that's what my message this morning is all about. You know, is it, is it all about, is this all that my life is all about? Because, you know, uh, a day will go, night will come, then the week will come to an end and God says, Necessarily observe the Sabbath. Sabbath is not an Old Testament thing. It's God's nature to rest and start afresh. Left to some people, if you were God, there will be no night, only day. We'll just walk, 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 just go. <laughs> and I don't know how, how long we would have been able to go if there was no night. So for some people, five days, they'll quench. Just go like that. <laughs> 24 times five. You'll just faint. <laughs> some people are tough they will last one month but God knew that our lives are supposed to be longer and well spent so he instituted in his own law Sabbath and he said you should observe it and he put an end to a day 
So the darkness will separate the day from night. Praise God. But the good thing about all this concept I'm talking about is newness. Newness. When we're starting a new year, we must always be conscious of the fact that our God is a God of new things. And he wants to do new things in our lives. And we must be willing to embrace it. And what prepares us for newness is for us to have at the back of our minds that God has a greater plan, something greater than what I'm experiencing right now. Say amen, somebody. Amen. Say better amen, somebody. Amen. All right, this morning, uh, I'm starting a series of discussions. Uh, that, uh, but for the one this morning, I titled it The Road to the Burning Bush. And I want you to join me in the book of Acts of the Apostles, chapter 7. Acts of the Apostles, and, and chapter 7. Praise God. Acts of the Apostles, and chapter 7. I'll read uh, from verse 17. It's a summary of the story of Moses from the account of Stephen, the martyr that was killed in Acts uh, chapter 7 and 8. Summary of the story of Moses from Stephen's, uh, um, I mean, perspective and inspiration. Um, Acts chapter 7 and um, I read from verse 17. But when the time of promise drew near, which God had sown to Abraham, the, the people grew and multiplied in Egypt. Talking about Israel in Egypt. Till another king arose who did not know Joseph. Don't forget that Joseph brought them in. He was the prime minister. If you haven't read this story in the Bible before, I want to bring you into it. Joseph uh, was one of the sons of Jacob who went to Egypt. So, uh, he was sold into uh, slavery. Uh, sold into slavery. And he, he later became the prime minister in Egypt. And that uh, um, uh, necessitated the immigration of Israel. Jacob and his sons to Egypt because there was famine where they lived. And after many years, the table turned. Joseph passed. Israel continued to live in Egypt. Another uh, king arose who did not know Joseph. And the rate at which God was multiplying Israel, it became a threat. They became a threat to Egypt. This new pharaoh turned them to slaves. And the Bible says they prayed earnestly to God because they were the people of God. Egypt at that time was mocking them, telling them to, to pray more for their God to come and deliver them here. Uh, they built the monuments in Egypt. They used them uh, for free labor. And it was quite burdensome to the point that at a time, uh, uh, Egypt exerted a lot of pressure on them and cruelty to the point that they were killing all male sons because of the, the prophecy that had gone forth, that God was going to you know, bring forth a son through, that, that will eventually deliver them. They, they killed male sons, and it was about that time that Moses was born. And um, by you know, divine ordination, Moses came. Verse 20, at this point, Moses was born and was pleasing to God, and he was brought up, in his father's house for three months, 
But when he was set, when he was set out, Pharaoh's daughter took him. His mother actually hid him. You know the story. Pharaoh's daughter took him away and brought him up as our own son. And Moses was learned in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and was mighty in the words, in words and deeds. Now, when he was 40 years old, he came into his heart to visit his brethren, the children of Israel. Verse 24, and seeing one of them suffer wrong, he defended and avenged him who was oppressed and struck down the Egyptian. For he supposed that his brother, his brethren, would have understood that God would deliver them by his hand. But they did not understand. And the next day, he appeared to two of them as they were fighting and tried to reconcile them, saying, Men, you are brethren. Why do you, why do you wrong one another? But he didn't, but he who did his neighbor wrong pushed him away, saying, Who made you a ruler and a judge over us? Do you want to kill me as you did the Egyptian yesterday? And at this time, Moses knew that uh, the bubble was busted and he had to run. The story of Moses was like the story, it's like the story of, you know, the average Nigerian today maybe trying to get into politics or in corporate Nigeria, trying to do things right and trying to, you know, trying to be the, the, the Mr. Nowhere and, you know, all that. And instead of people celebrating what you're trying to do, they come against you. They cut you down. Moses had to run away. But God's calling over his life still remained. God's hand over his life has not changed. He ran away and for another 40 years, he was right there in the wilderness until an appointed time that he had a burning bush experience and then he had to return. And at his return, God visited Israel. His original intention, which was for Moses to be the deliverer, was what happened when he returned. Pharaoh was the, the, the strongest man of his day, the most powerful personality. When Moses came back and said, God said to tell you to let my people go, that they may serve me, Pharaoh looked at him and said, there's no other God but me. God had to show Pharaoh that another God exists outside of him. One thing is very important that I want us to, you know, to pick from the story of Moses as I get into the meat of my message this morning. And it's that as you approach this new year, you must think beyond yourself. You must think beyond uh, um, what you have in hand. It's important for us to always appraise ourselves and see what we have in hand. But we must uh, begin to look at things from the point of view of the bigger picture, from the point of view of what God has in mind for you as an individual in the new year. When you look, look at, you know, the story of Moses, God started to walk in his life before his brain could walk. 
Because some people think because you have a brain, you don't need God. <laughs> Before his brain could pick up, God has started working in his life. Uh, he was born deliberately at a dangerous time. They were killing his age mates. But yet, God preserved him. Like I was saying at the prayer meeting yesterday, uh, we need to come to a point where we realize that our brains are too small to resolve all of our life's issues. They can, it, the, the brain can resolve some, but there are some that God has preserved for himself, only him. Like I said yesterday, your, through your eyes, your brain can help you to decode colors. But your brain cannot tell you the mind of God. It's not for the brain. It's for the spirit to reveal to us. Moses from his mother's womb was an answer to prayer. Let me tell you something. You are an answer to somebody's prayer. That there's no one person that's an accident of procreation. Even people born out of rape. The moment the rape... <laughs> and don't ask me the question, why, you know, why will God put his purpose in rape? God is God. He walks through anything, including evil. Are you still with me today? I said, are you still with me today? From his mother's womb, God made him an answer to prayer. So I don't know where you're being or where you're coming from. I need you to understand that whether God has always been in your life or you have shut him out, he's still working. He's still working. He's still working. God saved him right from infancy. And even when he couldn't save himself, when he, couldn't, when he wasn't strong enough to think of how to escape Pharaoh, <laughs> God was working and was saving him. God ordered Pharaoh's daughter to have favor on him, supernatural favor, without Moses' Moses's involvement. His parents may have been praying, but he was not involved at all. He wasn't even grown enough to be able to do a night prayer meeting. <laughs> I hope you understand what I'm saying. He was not grown up enough to fast, but God was working. God was working. God ordered his steps into the palace by his own hand. Placed him where he wanted him to be for preservation, for learning, for preparation for his destiny. Where you have been is part of your preparation for destiny. Whether it's speed or palace, notwithstanding, God still wants to do his will. God still wants to do his will. And if you were not here last year, I preached a series of, you know, a series on, on discovering your, your, your calling, discovering your gifts, you know, and all that. You need to get the message. The meat of that message we, we, we spoke about the shape that God shaped us. said, these people have I shaped for myself, they will bring me glory. So I have a shape that is peculiar to me, but that God wants to use. And we broke the acronym SHAPE down. Time will not permit me to go into that. But one of uh, uh, the, 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 uh, the main thing in that acronym is, is passion, the heart. The H in the acronym, the heart, that which comes naturally from the heart is a pointer to what God wants to do in your life. God steered a passion in him. That was an indicator 
of his role in Israel's deliverance. There's something burning in your heart that is still burning this new year. That's, that's, that's what I'm talking about, you know, for the next few weeks. We need to do something about that thing. God wants to work with you to do something about it. And you must not discountenance it. Even when the passion stirred him to rebellion, when Moses broke the law because of his passion, God still didn't get away from him. God still, you know, he, he still kept him. Because Romans eleven twenty nine, Bible says, the gifts and the callings of God, they are without repentance. That's King James. Let me give you another version. Romans eleven twenty nine. 29, uh, um, I think it's the New King James Version. It says, the, king, the, the gifts and the callings of God, they are irrevocable. One translation says, Living Bible translation says, God does not change his mind about those whom he has called. So calling stays, with notwithstanding your start, even if you go to prison, God is calling over your life. It's not about prisoner status. If God has called somebody a deliverer, even in prison, the calling still remains. God is just waiting for you to come out and do your work. God waited for Moses. And for some people here this morning, God is waiting for you. God is waiting for you. And he's been waiting for some time. My prayer is that you're not going to keep him waiting for too long. Or say better amen, somebody. Prayer this morning is that you will not keep him waiting for too long. Now, there are certain truths about life. I'm moving away a little from the story of Moses to share some general truths about life. Don't, don't forget what I'm sharing about this morning is on your way to the burning bush. On your way to the burning bush. On Moses' way to the burning bush, many things happened. And I see this year, some people are on their way to their burning bush. Some people, uh, uh, this message will only remind you of your burning bush because you already have had one. You, you already had your experience. But some people, this year, God will give you a burning bush experience. I said, God will give you a burning bush experience. Amen. Say a better amen. amen. Or say a better amen. amen. See, uh, one, one, one of the, the most important truths about life is that God is part of everyone's life, whether you know him or not. God is part of everyone's life, whether you know him or not. In Acts 17, 28, uh, 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 was Peter that was speaking there to the Athenians, he said, in him we live, we move, and have our being. We are in God. Totally. In him we live, we move, and have our being. We, we, Bible says all things were made by him. John chapter 1, talking about Christ. All things were made by him, and without him was nothing made that was made. Without him was nothing made that was made. So we, we have... Whether you are in the will of God for your life or not, God is still interested in you and is still working. You can't have something that is an extension of you and look away completely. The Bible says his anger may last but for a while, but his mercy endures forever. He's always there, always watching, always looking. Always watching, always looking. Secondly, we derive our spirit. We derive our spirit and existence from God. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, when God wanted to make man, God said, let us make man. When God was created, creating every other thing, he spoke to something else. To, 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 
to create. It says, uh, let, let the farmer men, you know, bring forth this. Let this happen. He was creating other things, the plant, the animals. When it came to the creation of man, he spoke to himself. Let us, there, us, talking about the Godhead, God, the, the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Let us make man. God spoke to the source of every other thing to bring them forth. When it comes to man, God spoke to God to bring man forth. Let us make man in our image and after our likeness. And then at the practical creation of man, the biblical account of the practical creation of man, Bible says God released himself. The essence of God was released into man. Breath is what keeps anything alive. Am I saying the truth? That means that's the essence of God. He released the essence of God into mud, and man became a living being. So we derive our spirits and existence from God. We are not, like science will want to call us, we're not animals. We may operate in certain regards in the same manner, but there's something about us that derives from God. And that presupposes that for us to be who we're supposed to be, for us to, you know, rightfully, constructively engage the creative tension that comes out of life that wants to extend us to, to, to have meaning, we must engage where we came from. I hope you understand what I'm talking about. If not, it, it will never make sense. We'll just be going around and around around in circles. And the truth is that because we came from him, we all have a purpose. We all have a purpose. We all have a purpose. God had a purpose for man. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 16, the message Bible translation, everything God started in him and finds his purpose in him. Everything God started in him and finds his purpose in him. Everything God started in him and finds his purpose in him. Everything God started in him and finds his purpose in him. The truth is that we can find purpose somewhere else and I'm going to show us some examples. But the Bible says everything God started in him and finds his purpose in him. Romans, I mean, uh, uh, Jeremiah ch ch chapter 1, verse 3, talking about Jeremiah, and by extension, all of us. God spoke to him. Before you were formed in your mother's womb, I knew you, and I ordained you a prophet to the nations. Before you were formed in your mother's womb, why you lacked shape, and don't forget, we all started like that. And God knew us while we were shapeless. Because I don't know why some people can be so concerned about their shape. And that's what they are now focused on. They don't do anything again about destiny. Just shape. And God said, when you were shapeless, I knew you. By implication, I shaped you. <laughs> I shaped you. Because I knew you when you were shapeless. Then I, I started shaping you. <laughs> I, I, I hope you are still with me this morning. He said, and I ordained you a prophet to the nations. 
that presupposes that for Jeremiah, for instance, except for the fulfillment of his destiny as a prophet, that life will forever lack meaning. Because he said, I knew you and I ordained you a prophet to the nations. Except for the fulfillment of his destiny as a prophet, that life will continually lack meaning. That was what happened to Moses, running from pillar to post. Until he entered into the center of his purpose and calling, his life lacked color and meaning. Don't forget, it wasn't like he wasn't achieving anything. At least he killed somebody. <laughs> he was doing stuff. He was doing stuff. It was just that. It wasn't there. Jeremiah 29 verse 11. I know the thoughts that I think towards you. He said they are thoughts of good and not of evil. Thoughts of good and not of evil. To give you a future and a hope. Number four, God's gifts and callings are irrevocable. I spoke about that before. And are given to aid the fulfillment of purpose. Given to aid the fulfillment of purpose. God's gifts and callings are irrevocable. They are given for the fulfillment of purpose. So, look at what uh, Scripture says in Ephesians 2, verse 10. It says, for we are God's workmanship. One translation says, we are God's handicraft. Or handcraft. Bespoke. <laughs> That's the word, bespoke. We are God's handcraft. Bespoke. E -e or... or what that word they use? Couture, right? Is that, is that the word? Did I pronounce it well? Couture, all right. Permit me, it's, it's, a, it's a French word. Yeah. That is specially made by hand. So the Bible says we are God's workmanship. That word workmanship, has been, I mean, that, those are synonyms of it in current day language. Created in Christ Jesus to do good works. Somebody say good works. Which God prepared in advance for us to do. So, you see, um, if you can see my slide very well, you see different shapes. From the flat uh, uh, brush uh, to the fat pen to, you know, all, all kinds of shape. That's what... Bible says God created us deliberately in different shapes. And you see all the shapes they are seeing there, they do different things. Am I saying the truth? They do different things. That's, that's how we are in his hand. That's how we are in his hands. So God's gifts and callings are irrevocable and are given to aid the fulfillment of purpose. We are his handcrafts. That he created in Christ Jesus for good works that he has ordained before the foundation of the heart. People who lack purpose have not cultivated a genuine relationship with God. That's the truth. If you refuse to cultivate your relationship with God, you may seem to be doing stuff, but you may not be able to walk in purpose. That which God has ordained. That which God had in mind. If you will agree with me today that you are not an accident of procreation, that God deliberately created you, then in 2014 it's time to seek 
the heart of God a little more to understand what you're supposed to be doing. Knowing and fulfilling your purpose or calling is the only thing that can bring ultimate fulfillment in life. That's the only thing that can bring ultimate fulfillment in life. Knowing and fulfilling. Knowing and fulfilling your calling. How come billionaires do commit suicide? Suicide. How come? If it's all about money. If it's all about money, why should somebody be a billionaire in dollars and still commit suicide? If it's all about money, why would somebody be a billionaire in dollars and then be hooked on drugs and cannot help himself until he overdoses and dies? It's the lack of purpose. It's the lack of fulfillment. Because I don't know what someone will be looking for in drugs to the point that it's destructive, it's destroying your life, and you cannot stop. There's something the man is looking for that the devil is showing him you can find it here. But it's not there because it's in God. The ultimate high, high, is for the want of a better word, smoke God. Or sniff him. That's the ultimate high. <laughs> Are you still with me this one? That's the ultimate high. And it comes when I'm in the center of his purpose for my life. I get a kick from that. That cocaine cannot give. Are you still with me today? Yeah, yeah. When, when my life feels like it's purposeful and it's meaningful. You know that's kind of where you feel when God just used you to do something, something good. Yeah. The feeling is different from alcohol or, or cocaine or heroin. No, it's different. It's different. That's what people look for. Some people look for it in sex. It's not there. It's not there. Go and ask Solomon. At least I don't know. Nobody has posted anything on Google to show that uh, they have, um, you know, there's, I, mean, if you, I mean, on the internet, I meant, to, if you search Google today, nobody has broken Solomon's record. That come out live and direct. I did over 1,000. That was all Solomon did. He wrote it by himself. <laughs> and set a record. And afterwards, he said, vanity upon vanity, all is vanity. As people look for this thing everywhere. Misguided ways to seek to find purpose outside of God, achievements. People try to find purpose outside of God through all these things. Achievement, relationship, like I was saying. There's no relationship that can be in exchange for God. If, if, if you like, eat dinner with Dangote tonight. It will not still be in an exchange. It cannot be an exchange for being fulfilling the purpose of God for your life. Some people have they've done everything. It's about achievement, like I was saying. By the time you have billions of dollars in your account, you have achieved something. Yeah, you have achieved something. But it's not an achievement. Achievement is good when it's in the purpose of God. 
But achievement outside of its purpose is still wasted. Because there's still something that is not there. As good as it is to have children. Some people think that life is all about children. They pour their lives and their entire existence into children and raising children. And I presume that when we get to heaven, God will still owe some people to say, you are supposed to do this, but you refuse to do it. Your children, they have their own purpose. You, you have your own. If I've given you children, I gave them for a purpose. And you're supposed to fulfill your purpose and they fulfill their own. For some period of our lives, our purpose may be to actually raise them. But we need to understand and seek God to understand, is there more to my life than children or than raising children? Because for some people, the reason why they are mounting to nothing is because they are taking care of children. And it's, it's very good to take care of children. Don't get me wrong. In fact, I've said it that for, so, for some people, for a particular phase of your life, that's your calling. But uh, you need to seek God beyond that point to be able to ask the question, is this all that, is, that, that, that my life is going to be about? Or there's more for me. There's something for me. Wealth acquisition, um, recognition, work, or career, all these things. Some people, if you ask them, what's your greatest, what's the greatest thing you want to achieve in life? Travel the world. To what end? That's the question. To what end? You know, because, because it's about recreation. And recreation in itself will not cut it. To what end? Is there a purpose for it? Is there something God wants to do with this you're traveling the world? Because when you get to heaven, they ask you, you have been everywhere. But the, way, you know, but the one we gave you to do, you didn't do. There's a story of a man in the Bible. I can't lay my hands on it right now. <laughs> they asked him. Uh, 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 he was given an account of himself. He said, uh, um, uh, God gave me a vineyard. He said, uh, but while I was busy here and there, <laughs> the enemy came and took it away. That's the way some people's life has been. Busy here and there. The original intention of God. We've done nothing about it. In closing, let me ask these few questions. Do you really believe that God has a plan for your life? As in, do you truly, truly believe that God has a plan for your life? Beyond where you are or where you have been. It's a question that I want you to go home with today and ask yourself and pray about it beyond this service. Do I really believe? Because there's a way that you package yourself if you truly believe that, 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 that God has a purpose for your life. Do you really believe it? As in truly and truly, do you truly and truly believe it? And secondly, do you really believe that God's plan for you are better than the best plan that you can make for yourself. That second question is about surrender. It's one thing for me to believe that God has a plan for me. It's another thing for me to believe that that plan is better than my own or whatever my mind can think about. Because until I, be, I start to believe that that plan is better than my own, 
may truly not be able to leave it all and allow him to have his way. Lastly, are you hanging on tight to something that, you may not, that may not be in God's will for your life? There's something in your life as I speak, as we move into this new year, that you're hanging on to so tight, but you are in doubt. In fact, for some people, you are sure that this is not God's will. People who hang on to relationships just for handouts, and you know this is, this, this is destructive. This is not God's will for my life. But something is flowing from there, so you are hanging on. Some people hang out to, on relationships for influence, just to be able to say, I know this person. It's my, it's my body. Because maybe that will open doors for you somewhere. But you know that that is destructive. You know the influence that that relationship is bringing into your life. And that's taking you away further, further and further from the fulfillment of purpose. But because of whatever you, you are able to get now, you don't mind. Is there something you are holding on tight to? Sometimes it can be bad that some people are, you are just holding on tight to a job. A job that you are frustrated with consistently. You have become very edgy, very, you know, abusive. You, you do things anyhow, but it's just because of the salary. You've not been able to resolve, you know, with your brain how you're going to survive without that salary. And that's why you're on that job. And that job is now giving you hypertension. Devil is saying, I'm going to keep dangling this carrot before you until the life is completely wasted. For somebody today, you just need to tell yourself, how long do I want to hold on to this thing? The truth is that you need to see the larger story before you can uh, um, truly be willing to let go. I'm going to stop on this note, but you need to see the larger story. For most individuals, that's where you are. In, in that small place there, dancing in the small story of the things happening right now and celebrating, but refusing to ask the questions, the questions that you need to ask to take into the larger story. Because God has a larger story. I said God has a larger story. For some people, your case is like the case of Moses in Pharaoh's palace. You're just there, eating and dining and learning the language of Egypt, and then you are being brought up as a prince. But you know you are not a prince of Egypt. You are a prince of God. I hope you understand what I'm saying. <laughs> you are not a prince of Egypt. No, it's not going to happen. In God's divine ordination, it's not supposed to happen. You're not supposed to be the prince of Egypt. No, you are not the next Pharaoh. <laughs> you are a prince with God. Israel means a prince with God. That's what Israel means. That's who Joseph, I mean, sorry, uh, um, Moses was supposed to be the deliverer of the people who have been called a prince with God. But in this small story, you are there and join it. Join it. But that's a bigger thing. That's a bigger thing. That's a bigger thing. When we ask the right questions, we'll get fully into the bigger picture. I'm going to continue next Sunday. This time around, we're going to walk towards the burning bush. Take some more steps towards the burning bush. And I trust that this year will not leave you the same. 
in the multitude of words, you will discover something. You will hear something that other people did not hear. Your heart will be open. Your eyes will be open. Lift your hands with me this morning.